Come on, ain't about any person. It's not about any individual. Come on, let's give our applause to the Jesus Christ. Come on, every person in this place. God, you are so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Are you comfortable? Are you happy with your less, less sleep this morning? So far, so far, we'll see. Give me 30 minutes so you probably change your mind, but it's okay. Take a seat, take a seat, everybody. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Good on you for coming on out to the 9.30 service. We all know that this is the service that all the tithers come to. And uh, this, this, is the, uh, this, is the, this is the service that uh, makes, allows the church to keep running. So uh, good on you. That's fantastic. Is that too far too soon? Probably is. That's fantastic. Awesome. So over the next five weeks, we want to, we want to share around, first and foremost, as we go into this year, around who we are as a church. Can I just have a little bit less fallback? That'd be awesome. Thank you. So we're titling this message, uh, the, the, the series that we're going into, This Is Life. And the reason for that is because whether it's by intention or by, on accident, wherever you go, there is a culture. Wherever you go, whether it's on, by intention or on accident, everywhere that you, that you step into has a culture. The fact that you take off your shoes when you go in, into your house or the fact that you leave them on, the fact that you uh, eat dinner around the table or watching the news, whatever it may be, everybody, individually and collectively, we have a culture. And why is this important for me and why is this for, for us and why is this important for us as a church? Because culture... It's far more, far more about what you allow to become normal within you than the environment that is around you. And we want to say that this isn't just something that is going to be uh, something that we do as a church when we come here as a Sunday. We really want the culture that we carry as a church to be something that we have within us. Amen? And Joshua proclaimed to his people in Joshua 24, Choose for today who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You do what you want, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was saying, this is what my house does. This is what my people do. You do what you want to do, but this is, this is who we are. And so today, as we head into the series, the first, uh, the first thing that we want to speak about, that we want to, that we want to bring uh, today is around Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 14. So if you've got your Bible, open that up. If you don't have a Bible, then you've got another service to uh, come to next to be able to sort that out. Come, come up to the altar call, uh, and then by the next service, hopefully you love Jesus, uh, and, they'll be, and they'll be great, and I uh, should have a Bible by then. I jest, I jest. This is what it says. I'm reading our message actually this morning, and it says this, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. Does anybody here have it all together? No, that's right. <laughs> that I have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all, this, all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal. I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. God is beckoning, beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off running and I'm not turning back. 
today what I want to spend a short time speaking on is Jesus is our pursuit. Life Church, individually and collectively, not just something that is, that is something we step into. It's not about an environment that we're in, but it is who we are within us. We are a people that declare that Jesus is our pursuit. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so good, that you are here right now. God, we just give everything to you. Lord, we, 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 give, you, we give you all the days of our future. Lord, we give you our attention right now. And I, and I pray, Lord, that all the words that you, Lord, have from heaven will penetrate hearts, Lord, and change futures. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Richard. What a guy. The world is always in a constant pursuit of something. Everywhere. Everything. All the time. You just have to throw on the telly. You just have to open up Facebook for a while to know that everybody, we're, we're kind of conditioned to need a pursuit of something. It's, it's you're not enough right now. You don't have it all together right now. You don't have what you need right now. You're not what you're, what you're, what you're you know, you, you're, you're on your way there, but you don't ha quite have it. There are a billion things that you could spend your life in pursuit of. All of us could, could spend our lives in pursuit of many things. We could spend our lives in the pursuit of the perfect home. Amen. The tiles. Thank you, Todd Dearson. The, the, the setting up things really well. The, the building stuff. Thank you, Rob Butlin. You, you, could, you, could, you could have it all. You could, you could be pursuing social justice with your life, making sure that everybody is A-OK. -okay. You could be in pursuit of the perfect work and home life balance. That's something that we're, we're still working on. But you could be pursuing the next promotion. You could live your life in the pursuit of fame. You could live your life in the, in the pursuit of fortune. Just as if I just, have, if I just have that little bit more money, if I just had that little bit more here and there, if I could just top up my bank account a little bit more, everything would be great. You could, you could spend your life in the pursuit of that next romantic relationship. Whatever it may be, whether you're young or old or somewhere in the middle, Every person is in a pursuit of something in our lives. But Jesus, and it's interesting that Jesus, with the first time that he came across his disciples, he was incredibly intentional with what he said to his disciples when he first met them. In Matthew 4, he says to Simon, Peter, and Andrew, come, follow me. And they left their nets and they followed him. In Matthew 9, Jesus calls to Matthew, the tax collector, and, and he says to him, follow me, come, come after me. And Matthew rose from what he was doing and followed Jesus. In Mark 2, Jesus tells Levi, who was, a, who was also a tax collector at a tax booth, come follow me. And so Levi got up and went and followed Jesus. He did the same to Philip and Nathaniel in John 1 at the Sea of Galilee. He did it all across the place to all his disciples. And he just said, I know what you're doing right now may be important to you. I know that you might have to work and do this. I know that you might have to, you know, sort out people's taxes. I know that you might have to, you know, you know, close down a few Excel spreadsheets and come, you know, do something different for a while. But I need you to come and follow me. Jesus says, leave everything else behind. It's not the time for what you're doing at the moment. That stuff is good. That stuff sure, sure has the place in the world. But the most important thing that you can do right now and the most important thing that you can do with the rest of your life is to leave it all behind and, and follow me. 
to leave it all in the past and to pursue me with all that you are. All he was saying to them is, all I want you to do is to pursue me. Even if it's the most inconvenient time right now, even if he doesn't feel like it is the right moment for it, I want you to leave everything else behind and start following me. I mean, it was a quite an inconvenient moment last night when I was throwing down a few more, uh, through a few more thoughts for the message this morning, and, uh, and the door was uh, left open by me, I think, and uh, so Sophie's family dog was is staying with us at the time, and just so happened to see that the open door was there, and whew, it was gone. I looked around for a moment, and Benji was no longer in the house anymore. So it was, it was quite, it was a little bit later at night, and so everybody was, everybody was kind of doing their thing, and um, not, not doing the thing, everybody was... Uh, Sleeping, that's the word, yeah, sleeping. And uh, what, what's that? And uh, everybody was sleeping in the neighborhood, and we live in like a little cul-de-sac at the moment. So I went after Benji, and I was like, Benji, this was last night, by the way. So if I look a little bit, you know, red in the eyes, that's the reason why. And so, I was, you know, you can't really yell, but you've got to do it in an authoritative way. So you kind of got to yell silently. It's like, Benji, Benji, Benji. You can't really, you can't really yell. And so I was going after him, and I ran, not ran, but I kind of jogged about 100 meters down the road, literally 100 meters down the road, and, and I saw this little object just go, Zoom! and uh, so I went after him, and he was in this, he was in this uh, for a lack of a better term, it was, in this, it was uh, up, the, up the driveway of a granny flat. So I didn't really want to go up the driveway, just in case some, you know, some older folk came out of their house and... Uh, call the police or anything like that. So he was just sitting there and he knew what he was doing too. He was kind of just sitting there watching me, looking at me. He was kind of just doing his thing. And so I said, PJ, 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 come here right now. But he would not listen to me at all. And so he kind of looked at me, looked around and looked kind of what was past me. And uh, so he started to trot towards me and I thought he was coming towards me. But before I knew it, he was gone again. And it wasn't until Sophie came out with some treats that Benji went straight up to her. And I was like, man, this is so demoralizing. <laughs> Demasculating. I'm going to get my own dog, prove him wrong. You can get a massive German Shepherd and eat that dog. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got pride issues, people, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't know why that is important, but that story, but... The, the, the fact of the matter is, okay, the fact of the matter is, is that it could be the most inconvenient time for you. It could be not the right time for you, right? You might feel like coming into church, oh my goodness, like I don't even want, know what this place is all about. I'm sitting next to somebody and I don't know if they had a shower this morning or not. I'm kind of listening, to, uh, it's, not, it's not that person, you know, it's not you. And uh, I'm coming into this place and it's a bit, you know, it's a bit, you know, you know, it's a bit it's a new, it's fresh, or maybe you've been coming to church for a very long time, and you, you love Jesus, but there's a difference, I believe, completely between knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and pursuing Him with intention. There's a big difference between that. There are many things in life that we could pursue, but there is only one area in our lives that, we should, that should be a constant pursuit, and that is a pursuit of Jesus Christ. We all need a conviction, no matter how old we are, no matter how long you've been a Christian for, no matter even if the fact if you don't know Jesus yet, we all need a conviction in our heart for the right things to pursue. Because I'm telling you, there, there are too many people in this world that are trying to find satisfaction, that are trying to find something to fill the void in their lives. 
and we can spend our entire lives running after it without even stopping for a moment and realizing that the thing that we've taken for granted for so long, that the environment that we're in, we sing the same song sometimes, and yeah, they're great, but you kind of get used to it, get familiar with the same things, but eventually we need to come to a point, we need to stop again and realize that unless this is going to be an intentional pursuit, this can just be another act of religion. And by goodness, I don't want anybody coming to church just because they have to. I don't want you coming into, a, into to the 9.30 service to tick off a box and just to make sure that you've done that for the week. I don't want you just to, just to think for yourselves, oh, maybe if I just go to church, then that's my God thing done for, for this month or for this week. But no, it needs to be an intentional pursuit of God. So what does that look like for us? I know, what, what does that look like for each and every single, per, single person in this room? So today, I just want to, give you, I, I want to give you a few things. So number one, number one, what is it, so what does it look like to pursue Jesus? Number one, wait for Jesus consistently. Wait for Jesus consistently. I've, I've spoken about these things uh, before, but I want this to really get into every person's spirit today. That the number one thing that we need to do to pursue Jesus is to wait for him consistently. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. When Jesus entered the house of Mary and Martha, one wanted to do for, and the other just wanted to be with. And we've got to be careful when we start our day that we're not so transfixed on working for Jesus all the time that we miss the opportunity to first wait for Jesus. And there's a big difference. I'm not saying that we should all just kind of throw off everything and not do this anymore. I kind of throw away the microphone. I'm going to go wait for Jesus somewhere down the road. I'm not saying that. But firstly, and consistently, waiting for Jesus. And Isaiah 40, 30, 31 says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So what does it really mean to wait on the Lord? What does it really, to, what does it really mean to wait on Him? Does it mean to just sit and be still and just to hold on and maybe spend a few hours just waiting for Him to arrive? What does it mean for, for those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength? Well, if you look at the word uh, wait in the scripture, in the Hebrew, the, the, the word for it is, is kwaba, which means to bind together. This word wait actually means to bind together. It was originally used to, to signify the, a, a strong rope. I don't have a strong rope on me, but pretend here's a strong rope. That is, it was used to signify a strong rope made out of frail strands that were easily broken. Imagine that for a moment, that the word waiting means a strong rope made out of fragments of, of, of strands that, were, that are easily broken, that they're, they're frail, that they can break at any moment, but you, that you, but you bind those pieces together. You get all those little strands that are frail and weak and, and, and can fall apart at any moment. You take all of those strands and you bind them together. And what does it make? It doesn't make a, a weak, it doesn't make a frail rope anymore, but together, all those strands make a strong rope. 
Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in His Word, I put my hope. In His words, in His Word, I put my hope. Waiting on the Lord isn't passive. It's actively and productively binding myself with Him. And what you're doing when you're saying, I'm waiting for the Lord, you're not just waiting for Him passively, but what you're doing is that you're taking the the fragments of, of yourself, the things that are frail in you, and you're binding them together with our God. It's by every day. How do, you, how do you bind yourself with them? It's by every day picking up your words. It's by day by day picking up your Bible and journaling, daily journaling about what He is speaking to you day by day. And as you do that day by day, a fragment that is frail and another one and another one, day by day and another one and another one and another one. Come on, do you hear me, church? And another one. You may be weak right now, but you pick up your words. You pick up your bird and you, you journal, you write down what the Lord is saying, and you might be feeling weak in this moment. You might wake up tomorrow morning and feel, Lord, I don't have it all together, but you pick it up day by day. And in His words, I put my hope. Someone once said that each day I need God's word to interrupt me, rearrange me, and redirect me. We need the word to interrupt us in our day-to-day life. We need, a, need the Word to rearrange us from the inside out, and we need the Word to redirect where we're going in life. We need to journal. That's why we say all the time, the big three, and one of the big three is to daily journal. Day by day, we're putting it together. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he said, to, he, he said that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, it, meditate in it day by day that you may observe to, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have a good success. If we want to be more like Jesus, we need to spend more time with Jesus in the Word. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Number two. Number two, the second thing that we need to do is talk openly, or talk to Jesus openly. Talk to Jesus openly. 1 John 5, 13, 15, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we, if he, we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. We know that we have what we ask of Him. We need, to, we need to pray, but sometimes we think that prayer is such a thing that is so distant, so far off, so unattainable. I need to get together with my life group. I need to have everything together. I need to know exactly what to say, where to say it. I need to know where to put the hallelujahs, the amens, and God be glorified. But I want to tell you today that our prayer life, us talking to Jesus, it doesn't have to be something that we, have, that we do when we have it all together. It just needs to be open. All it needs to be is simple. In everything that you face and everything that you come across, every time that there is a problem, guess what? You are the solution. You are the solution because God places us in places where the situation doesn't come back to a person. It comes, needs to come back to God. Amen. Turn your thoughts into prayers. 
even the things that are going into your, through your mind, the worries that are in your mind, turn them to prayers. Just, just say them. If it's not appropriate to say it out loud, loud, just say it in your spirit. Whatever is troubling you in a moment, just, just speak it out within you. It is how to, to pray and not have to worry about having, taking the time to, uh, to, to, to have to sit down and to worry about when and where I'm going to pray. That is a very good thing to do. But if you don't have the time in the day, but you've got a problem in front of you, just pray it within you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. 1 Timothy 2, 1, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Pray for all people, even that person you don't like. Even that person. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Give thanks for them. Come on, we don't need to pray in such a way that, that, we, that we need to know everything right now. You might see a situation right in front of you, but you don't know what to say. Just say a simple prayer. Just say a simple prayer. God, God doesn't need all the words in the world. He, just, he already knows your heart. And if he knows your heart, he'll give you the words to say. Amen? Come on, well, let's be a praying church. But not just when it suits us, but all the time. It's challenging me too, just to pray and pray. Amen? Number three. Number three, the third thing we need to, need to do when we're, when we're living a life in pursuit of Jesus. It's examine with Jesus honestly. Examine with Jesus honestly. And I want to say that the real you isn't the you that, you, that walked in today. The real you isn't the you that put on your clothes this morning, had a shower and walked in and and put on a smile and, and walked into church today. The real you isn't the you that everybody sees. The real you is always the you that is within you. And that is the you that God cares about most. That is the you that God wants us to examine. It's so easy to cover up the, on the outside the reality of what is crushing us on the insides. But you weren't, li weren't meant to live your life that way. You weren't meant to live your life in a way that everything around you is going well, but, but something's crushing you on the inside. You weren't meant to live your life in a way that you feel like you just need to cover up what's going on within you. I mean, I know a God that wants to know you and wants to heal you and wants to come in and fix you. Not fix you, but make you, put you back to where He intended you to be in the first place. But where it starts from is an attitude a spirit of saying, Jesus, would you examine me from the inside out? Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So whatever you're facing this morning and whatever you face tomorrow, know that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is nothing too big and there is nothing too small. Sometimes we think, oh, it's just a small thing. I don't need to worry about it. But there's nothing too big for him, and there is nothing that is too insignificant for our God. Amen. Yesterday I was cleaning up the rubbish. <laughs> oh, what a hoot. I uh, picked up a, uh, I borrowed a trailer of a, of a good friend, and, and that was fantastic. And so went on my way, and and uh, there was all this rubbish under the carport because in the moment we're, we're in the process of selling, our, selling the place that we're, uh, that we're in. It was my granddad's place, and so we're selling it uh, because we're, we're moving on and, and uh, et cetera. 
And so we had all this rubbish under the carport and it had been sitting there for a while and I knew that the time had come that, uh, and, and it had been told that the time had come <laughs> to, to move all this rubbish. And so got this trailer and expertly, uh, not so expertly, it was, well, I think it was one of my first times actually reversing a trailer and uh, I have flying colors right there, amen? Give it a go, you never know, you never know, you never, you never know the man that resides within you, let me tell you that. And uh, so I re- reversed this straight up the driveway and started to chuck all the stuff in. It was really good. And some of it was like, okay, that's fine. But some of the bags that I picked up, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. I don't know how it, the things stink so bad, but there are things. I'm, I'm not even a father yet, but I, but I think I've found the top of the pops, you know. It's just, it was absolutely revolting. And uh, so I put all this stuff in the trailer, did a couple of trailer loads. And, and I went down and went down to the rubber stump and to, to dump it off. Now, now, now imagine with me for a second, I had this trailer load full of rubbish, I, I put the, uh, the uh, tarp on the top and, and I put some strops on and make it all sturdy and make it sure it won't flow off, blow off and you know, be uh, gone into the middle or two distance. And I stropped it all down and, and imagine me, with me for a second that I, 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 I went to the dump and parked it up at, at the drop off point for, and for a while and... I was there, and, and we were always kind of getting rid of all the rubbish, and I got out, of the, got out of the car yesterday, and went around to the back, and I looked at this rubbish. I was like, that is nasty. Wow. That's disgusting. Wow, okay. Oh, right, right, okay. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. That's, that's really great. Now imagine if I got back into the car and then drove, drove back home. Imagine, imagine for a moment if I had... If I didn't just, just go back home then, I, I, I took it home and Sophie was like, what are you doing? You know, what's wrong with you? I said, many things, but this is not one of them. And I, and I took it there and, and then this morning I, I pulled up to church in this trailer and everybody's like, why, why, why? Uh, yeah. uh, I had all, this, had all this rubbish there and it was kind of just overflowing at that point and it, it would be even... More ridiculous if I then, after a couple of weeks, when, we, when Sophie and I uh, move into a new place and I took all this rubbish and we, we drove out there and we took out all the rubbish and we continued to pick up all this rubbish out of the back of the trailer and start to put it back in, inside, in, into our home. And it sounds ridiculous, but that is exactly how our attitude can be with the rubbish that we've allowed to enter into our hearts. We can decide, we get to decide what, rules over us, and we can choose what to carry with us. And we have talked about this before, but for us to pursue Jesus with all that we are, it needs to come to a place where we ask ourselves the question, and we allow Jesus to examine our, our, our lives, and we ask ourselves, what is the condition of my heart? Tim can come, thank you. What is the condition of my heart? What is there that you have allowed to, what is there that you have examined yourself briefly about, and, and what is there that you even allowed Jesus to examine honestly? What, what am I saying? What, what are some of the things that you kind of just, you know, check up on a Sunday? Yeah, oh, still there. And, and what are the things day by day that you have allowed Jesus to come into the situation and actually examine what is going on? And not just examine it, but then tell you about what the, the result of the examination is. Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us test and examine our ways. Let's not not just continue doing what we've always been doing. Let's not just continue being who we've always been. 
There are things within us that we can take on and put into our lives that are not meant to be there anymore. Psalm 139, 23 says, God, I invite you, your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. In verse 24, see if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. If we want to examine our hearts, if we want to pursue Jesus with all that we want, we need to allow Jesus to come and take a look on the inside to mend, to fix, and to restore the things that are not meant to be there anymore. For all of us, no matter how long you've been around for, it doesn't matter how Christian you think you are, we all need to, day by day, be asking ourselves the question, God, do I have a clean heart? Are there things in my heart that don't belong there anymore? And yes, I might have spoken on this before, but it is so important that we all know this. God, what is there that should not be there anymore? Is there, any, is there any greed? Is there any jealousy? Is there any hate towards a brother? Whatever it may be, it is all individual to all of us. It is all unique to all of us, sorry. But there are things that will constantly try and take your heart and poison it from the inside out. And we need to every day just be asking Jesus, examine me, examine me, examine me. Lord, I want to have a clean heart. I don't want to walk this life carrying things with you. I don't want to trail a load of rubbish for the rest of my life. Lord, I want to examine it and I want to get rid of it. And I want the right things to take residence in my life. Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let thinking that you can do it all on your own get in the way. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, In his pride, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. The wicked man doesn't even bother seeking. I can do it on my own. Yeah, yeah this is fine. You, you all pursue Jesus. You all do that thing. That's, that's fine. You know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be down the back here. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Don't let pride get in the way today. Don't let pride get in the way tomorrow. Just remember that we are all fallible, we're all fragile people. And every single day, every day, we need to come to Him. Wait for Jesus consistently. Read your word. Journal. Write down what the Lord is saying to you today. We need to talk to Jesus openly. Make it a simple prayer today. Make it a simple prayer tomorrow. When you get that phone call, just make it a simple prayer. And third of all, we need to examine with Jesus honestly. We need to ask Him for a clean heart. Amen. How about we stand to our feet?